I think it was the theologians who first started the idea, later the philosophers took it over, and now some of the scientists are doing the same. What you are comes out in what you do. You see the point? Out of ourselves and into Christ, we must go. This is Chats Under the Sun with Jacob Volk. I hope you enjoy the conversation. Testing, one, two, three. Testing, one, two, three. Cheers. Sarah Brower, we are recording. How are you doing? Good. Very good. So we were just talking a little bit before the podcast about when you left for Israel. Yes. And you've only been there once, right? Yes. Right. And I think... For now. (laughs) (laughs) You're planning to go back? I would love to go back. Cool. Yeah. I think I was... I was sitting... No, I was at like the kitchen table just making lunch or something. And I heard mom and Michaela talking and Michaela's like, she just turned to me. She's like, yeah, so Sarah's uh, going to Israel. And I'm like, what? Yep. And then I was just thinking, so Sarah Brower in the middle of a pandemic is going to Israel. That's probably yep. the most baller <laughs> thing I've heard ever. And that was pretty cool. And then you, I think you came over like a week or two later and I just kind of talked about it all and then you left. Because it was yeah, really it quick, was, right? It was very quick. The time, from the time I decided to go to actually going, yeah, it was probably like only a week or a couple weeks, maybe. Really? Yeah. Okay. So why? Because of the pandemic. Right. Um, so yeah, the, the way it all happened was like, First of all, Israel was closed. Mm-hmm. So it was literally a miracle that we went. Um, because literally no one, like no one could go. Major business people couldn't do their deals. Um, so Hyavel, the organization that I went um, to volunteer with, they were like, well, how are we going to get our volunteers to come if mm. the country's closed? Um, the border, like the airlines, um, so anyway, they were like, well, we're going to trust God. And um, they reached out. They have connections um, in the government of Israel, okay. which is pretty handy. So <laughs> they reached out and they were like, what are the chances of us still getting our volunteers? Um, and they really just acted in faith and they you know, sent emails to a lot of people just asking them to commit to coming. Um, and then they sent the list of those, the names of those people to the government to get visas. Um, and they got approved. And the reason, pretty much the reason why we were allowed to go, because we're just random people from, you know, all over the world just coming to volunteer. Mm-hmm. Um, and they recognized that the work th- that we were doing was essential in a way and really important. So we pretty much all got a green card and went through the border, got through the airport, no problems, got through security. Um, It was super cool because the head guy of the border control, uh, the border security guy, Mr. Amnon, I think was his name. um, He literally gave us each, each of us volunteers from wherever we were coming from the world, a personal letter saying that we had approval to come. Whoa. So we would just like get when we got questioned in the airport, like how, like what are you, what's the reason for your coming? What are you gonna do? 
we just show them this paper and they just let us go right through that's awesome and this was last september right yes gotcha so yep. almost a year ago well like Is that almost a year ago 10 months no eight months yeah Something around like there i don't know if eight months is almost a year but however yeah. you want to slice that and you went with matea right yes okay so did you had you guys kind of like been conspiring for doing something like this or you said it came really suddenly like what what brought you to want to do this good question (laughs) um yeah it's interesting because i like traveling and i've traveled before um, and i never ever had it in my head that i would want to go to israel um I had been previously to New Zealand, which is a beautiful country, which can attest to that where you happen to be born, which is pretty cool. (laughs) Um, So, yeah, I was like, if I'm going to travel again, you know, I'm just probably will go back to New Zealand. Um, So it how this all came about is really a blessing. And the Lord just his hand was in everything and opening the doors for me to go. Um, so Matea, my f- good friend, she had been actually twice before and her whole family had actually been once. Um, so I was just at their house one day and they were talking about what God's doing there and what they experienced there. Um, and then my interest was really peaked and I was like, wow, like, you know, that's really cool. Um, they were talking a lot about prophecy and, um, what's literally coming, um, to be fulfilled in our lifetime, like today in Israel. And they gave me a book to read, and I just was just really interested in Israel. Um, so that was probably about a month before I left. Um, hmm. So, yeah, my interest had just been growing, and I thought, wow, like, it would be so cool to be able to go to Israel. Um, and then I got an email one day from Matea, um, and Highville had emailed everyone who had been there before because they were really in desperate need of volunteers. And... Obviously, I had not been before, so Matea just forwarded it to me, and she's like, I bet you if you uh, apply, like, we'll put in a good word for you, and Mm. maybe you can go. So that's what happened. I um, contacted them and said, hey, can I come help you guys? And at this point, Matea wasn't even, like, sure if she was going. I was just like, I want to go, and I'm going to do everything that I can to go, Um, and just, yeah, pray that God will open the doors, and if he wants me to go, I'll go. So those doors are open. We got the visa, um, started packing really quickly. <laughs> um, and yeah, a couple of days later, after I decided to go, Matea um, figured that it would also work to come. Mm-hmm. So that was like a bonus to be able to go with a close friend who had yeah. been before. Um, yeah, so that's how it all came about. It's crazy. Yeah. So why i guess i want to like why would you go on an expensive trip instead of doing like the logical responsible quote unquote thing of just staying and spending like making money and saving for your future and things like that why is that valuable to you to go on a trip like this yeah um it's definitely I think really valuable because um, there's something like we all, I feel like we all have knowledge mm-hmm. uh, about things and about places, but when we can add experience to our knowledge, it's like double whammy. Like it's amazing. Um, 
especially the Holy Land, like the land of Israel. There's just something about it. Um, you can't really compare to traveling anywhere else um, as far as um, just the biblical um, significance of it. And um, it's total, it was totally worth it. And it was also a bonus to just be able to escape the kind of COVID craziness here and the lockdowns. Yeah. Um, and I didn't have a job at the time. So, it yeah, it worked out for me to be able to go. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, that's one of the main reasons, like adding experience to what we know. Um, yeah. It's just really, really valuable. Yeah. Totally. Um, do you feel like your understanding of reading the Bibles? I mean, I guess obviously, mm-hmm. but that's probably so much richer because you can put actual pictures to various stories and scenes, right? Yeah. Or did you not go to places? Like, did you guys end up going to Jerusalem? We did. Yes. Sweet. Um, yeah, it was a bit of a different trip, I guess, than they normally would do because it was during a pandemic. Um, and usually they do a lot of touring, mm. but um, they pretty much told us like, this is not going to be a regular trip. And we probably won't get out to see a lot of the sites that we normally do. So we all knew that going into it, but I was just like, you know what? I don't care. Like, it's just, this is a chance to go to the Holy Land. And um, I was just like, I'm going to go with open mind and just, um, yeah. Like, God, show me what you want to show me. Teach, mm-hmm. me. teach me what you want to teach me. Um, so, yeah. Sweet. And so what you guys, what did you guys actually do? Oh, well, you're like volunteering. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. We mainly um, were supporting Jewish farmers, local Jewish farmers um, in Judea and Samaria, um, which is most commonly termed the West Bank. Okay. Um, so yeah, Judea and Samaria, um, there is there are farmers there, um, mainly with vineyards, so vineyard owners. Um, and our primary job was to help them with their grape harvest. Gotcha. So that was a couple months long, like around seven weeks long. Right. Um, and then we also, near the end of our trip, um, began a huge forestry project. So literally planting a forest, which is really cool. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah. So it was, it was um, farming. Like it was mainly picking grapes um, and literally planting trees that's super cool Mm -hmm. and i suppose with with grapes there's like a like most harvests there's like a window where that has to be done right yes not just work you can just pick up or yep it's very seasonal um there's like yeah with uh, vineyards you have like a pruning season and then the harvest season and then there's also a planting season uh, if you're going to plant a new vineyard Mm. do they send teams out for those times or is it mostly harvests where they need the help it's mostly harvest where they have the most people come out okay uh, but yeah, they do also get help for pruning and planting. Gotcha. Yeah. So why, um, I don't know, I'm just curious, why do these farmers need help? Like is work scarce or do they struggle financially or is it more just an opportunity? Like, Yeah, good question. Um, and actually a lot of people have asked me that and I actually even asked myself that and had those questions mm-hmm. while I was there. Um, yeah, what's the point of like coming like do they not have their own workers to help them with their harvest um and the reality is like when you think of when most people think of israel you think of um like they're you know pretty rich smart people 
Hmm. I'm very advanced, you know, in the medical world and I'm just very scholarly. Um, but in, in the areas of Judea and Samaria, um, there's actually a lot of struggling Jewish people there. Um, and they're not wealthy and they are literally like, um, pioneers. Like they, a lot of them, um, don't have a lot and they are trying to start these farms and settle the land that God gave them. Uh, and there isn't a lot of help. Hmm. So, um, yeah, most of them genuinely do need help. And it also is an opportunity because that's, um, Highveld, their, their mission is to give, um, Christians from all over the world, the opportunity and experience to serve the people of Israel and help with the restoration of the land of Israel. Hmm. So it's both. It's it's helping them, but it's also a blessing for and an amazing opportunity for the people who come and serve. Right. Yeah. Interesting. Mm-hmm. So did you, so is, is it's Haivel? Yes. Is that what it? Haivel. That's a, it's a Hebrew word. Yeah. <laughs> Y'all know Hebrew. <laughs> I don't. You definitely know a lot more Hebrew than I do. Um, are they messianic jews from the organization or how does that work yeah um so the actual people who started the organization um and um the majority of the volunteers who come are just your regular like north american christians so Mm. none of them are actually jewish themselves okay yeah cool and then Um, the people that you stayed with were they like i guess (laughs) were they uh messianic jews or are they like straight Jewish Jews? I don't know how what exactly those categories are. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, there's, they... there's, there's like Orthodox, ultra Orthodox, and yeah. Messianic, and liberal, and <laughs> yeah. Well, and then there's like Jewish by ethnicity, not by faith, right? Yes. Yeah. So I, I guess what I'm asking is that the mo- most of the Jews that you encountered regularly were they did they believe in the saving work of Jesus Christ or no? No. Um, we didn't actually interact with a lot of Jewish people okay. because of um, not being able to get out a lot. Because mainly when we were working, it was just our group. Right. So really the only interaction we had was um, with the vineyard owners because okay. they would come out sometimes and, you know, express their thanks for our help to them. Um, and yeah, just tell us like their story and um, mm. how they started their vineyard there. Um, but yeah, the majority of the Jews that we did come in contact with, um, they do not believe in the Messiah. So yeah, right. they're not Messianic. Sure. And so they, um, I don't know if you dove much into their theology. Do they, I don't know if you know the answer to this. I don't. Would some of them, are they still looking for a Messiah figure? Or do they believe that Israel like is the Messiah figure? Um, no, they definitely, they are waiting for the Messiah to come. Okay. They believe in the Messiah. They just don't believe that he's come yet. Right. Gotcha. So it's kind of not a joke or like, I guess it's saying more like, um, when Jesus comes back, we're all, <laughs> they're going to ask him, is this your first or second time coming? <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So they are, they are still waiting for the Messiah. It's, it's quite sad actually. Um, hmm. and but it's also exciting because there there are a lot of Jewish people who are coming to know their Messiah. Gotcha. And there's a lot more than you hear about or you think there is because when they do come to know the Messiah and, you know, they do start reading the New Testament, 
um, you're quite ostracized and looked down upon and mm. often, um, yeah, just made fun of um, and kind of you're like cast off from the right. family or community. So they would only tell people if they, you know, really trust them. Mm. That's really hard. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I was going to say I can't imagine what that's like. And in a lot of ways, I, I definitely can't. Um, I feel like maybe there's a similar thing in some of our circles. If you like go to a different church, depends, right? There's some people in, in our churches, just cause I know our churches who, if mm-hmm. you go to a different, like if you go to a Baptist church or if you go to a community church, they, they, they're totally fine with that. But then there's definitely some who would find it really difficult if one of their family members or something went to a different church. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, just that, but then that totally varies from person to person. Yeah, there's definitely there's different situations, um, and yeah, I can we can only try and empathize with them, hmm. right? Because we don't fully understand that. Um, totally. So, like, talk to me about Israel. Yeah. What was it like? What was it like? Uh, it was amazing, and you all should go. <laughs> Yeah, it's so, so exciting what God is doing there. Um, like, girl, I don't know about you guys, but, like, growing up, I I always knew Israel, like, people were always trying to destroy it. And, you know, it would be in the news a lot. Um, you know, lots of bombing and just missiles and lots of people just, they don't want Israel to exist. Mm. Um, and I was always like, well, you know what? They're, they're going to exist no matter how many people try and get rid of them. Um they're, they're God's people, so they no one can fully, you know, get rid of them. Hmm. Um, so that's kind of how my view of Israel was. Like, I didn't really ever, like, study about it or know, like, a lot more about it. Um, but since going there and just learning, because like I said, when I had gone there, I didn't know a whole lot. Like, I had just um, read a book and been talking with um, Matea and her family a bit. Um, and I just, yeah, went, like... Um, and most people who were in our group had already been there. Right. So I was, you know, kind of the newbie. And I, they were just like, Sarah, as many questions as you, as you have, just ask us. And we'd be more than happy to explain and just share. So you went with a solid group of people? Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. That makes Super solid, super open difference. and gracious. And just, I never felt dumb asking questions. They never made me feel dumb answering them. Um, so that's what I did. I just asked tons of questions. Um. And as we were working, you know, we'd be picking grapes and it's just a great place to chat actually and just meet people Hmm. and um, share stories and learn from each other. So yeah, what I've learned about Israel um, is just amazing. Like when I say what God is doing there, I'm mainly referring to um, prophecy. Okay. So I didn't realize this, but almost a third of the Bible is prophecy. Mm -hmm. And... um. Yeah, there's a lot of, you know, there's the major prophets and the minor prophets, and there's just a lot of prophecy. And when I thought of prophecy, I mainly just think of, like, the Messiah. Like, we there's a lot of prophecy about the Messiah is going to come and how he's going to be crucified um, and then come back one day. And a lot of that has been fulfilled. Like, he came, he died, uh, he rose again, and he ascended into heaven. And we're still waiting for him to come back. But... I, there was so there's so much prophecy about the land of Israel and the people of Israel. Hmm. 
that I didn't really realize, but it's, it's all over, um, the Bible. Like, I'm just, I really encourage, um, everyone to just go through and read the prophets like Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, Amos, um, Zechariah, Hosea. And there's so much about, um, God and his covenant faithfulness to, um, his people, the nation of Israel. So just seeing how that is literally coming, coming true and being fulfilled in our lifetime because people from all over the world who are Jewish, they are coming back to the land of Israel and God is bringing his people back. He's gathering them from the nations. Like he said, he would, um, the cities are being rebuilt. Like he said, they would be, the land is being restored and coming back to life. Like he said, they would be, Hmm. um, and that's only, that's a recent thing because 1948 is when, um, Israel was reinstated and actually like reestablished as um, like an official like homeland for the Jewish people. Mm-hmm. Um, because yeah, before that they were like the land was desolate for thousands of years. Like you know, God's people were in exile all over the world. They were scattered, just like that was also prophesied would happen. Mm-hmm. So now we're literally in our lifetime living in a time where they're being gathered back. Interesting from all the corners of the earth. And I never like thought about that. I never knew that was happening. And I'm, I look back and I'm like, how did I not realize this? How did I not like, I never really heard anyone talk about it, but it's all over God's word. Um, so yeah, I guess coming back and having experienced it and been part of it, I just, you know, want to talk about it a lot and tell people and raise awareness and just, I guess, be an ambassador um, because yeah but he's like these things are happening in our lifetime and it's exciting (laughs) interesting yeah i uh i have not given this this subject these ideas as much thought as i'd like to for sure okay so you said you refer to the israelites as god's people Mm -hmm. right would you count yourself as, or Christians in general, Gentile Christians, yes. as God's people? How do you... Absolutely. So how do you, because um, I think this is kind of, there's a lot of age-old theological debates in this vein, right? Mm-hmm. Um, yes, I'll throw it at you. And I don't know how much you've studied this, so if, if you don't know the answer, no, that's totally it. cool. Yeah. What, um, what are the differences and similarities between the, between the Jews and Gentile Christians as the people of God. So I guess, where are they similar and where are they different? Great question. Um, Yeah, uh, when I say like people of God, um, if you think like in Genesis when God um, called his people out as a nation and he made the Mm -hmm. promise to Abraham, um, and it was actually really cool because we actually got to go to that mountain, Elon Murray, where that actually happened. Really? Yeah. So that was really amazing. The the guy was like, everyone pick up a rock. So I picked up a rock and he's like, these rocks heard the voice of God. Um, it was just really cool because that's where, you know, he, he spoke to Abraham and said, look, I'm going to make a great nation of you. I'm going to bless you. I'm going to multiply you. Hmm. I'm going to give you this land. Um, so yes, that is, that's when God called out his people from mm-hmm. the world, separate from the nations, so the nation of Israel. Um, so then us as Gentile Christians, we, 
have been engrafted into the people of God. Right. We have been, um, yeah, we get to share in the Commonwealth of Israel. And I think there is definitely a lot of um, misunderstanding out there that I don't think necessarily that, like, I grew up believing or maybe that our, our church believes, but um, it's something called replacement theology, and that's the idea that the church, um, th- like the New Testament church, has replaced Israel. Okay. In that now Jesus has come, now the Gentiles, like the gospel is for the Gentiles, and now um, the Jewish people, they're not they're, they're not God's special people anymore. Now it's all about the church. Hmm. Um, and that is, that's not biblical at all. Because if, if God is a faithful covenant keeping God and he made these promises and covenants to Israel, how can he ever break them or go back on them or, um, desert his people and now, you know, turn his attention to the Gentile church? Like it's not biblical at all. Interesting. So I guess back to your question, what's the difference between Jewish people and, um, Gentile Christians, uh, and what are the similarities? I, yeah, I guess we'll start with the similarities. So the similar things are we're all part of the same gospel. We're all saved the same way mm-hmm. um, by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. Um, we serve the same God. Yeah, and that's that's a mystery of the gospel that Paul talked about. You know that like Gentiles and Jews can have fellowship now. That like we are. We are saved the same way uh, through the same person, and yeah, we we share that. That's um, we sh- we shared the the gospel message of salvation. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I guess the differences um, would more have to do with like the land, okay. because God specifically gave the land of Israel to His people Israel, so. A lot of people, um, like when I mentioned earlier about how Jewish people are coming from all over the world to Israel because that's their homeland and now they have a homeland to go to. Um, they It's called making Aliyah. So often people, um, actually they've been coming from almost like over 150 countries. Hmm. Um, and a lot of them will find out that they're Jewish and... Um, make Aliyah and go back to their homeland. And it's quite a beautiful thing, like on the airplanes apparently and just when like they land, everyone just claps and there's um, everyone just welcomes them back home. And it's quite quite a special thing. So yeah, that would be a difference, I think, w- would be more f- physical things like that, like the restoration of the land and the cities being rebuilt and the people coming back. Um, that's more specifically with the Jewish people, I right. would say not as much to us Gentile Christians, like, cause then how, like, we're not all going to go move to Israel. Right. That wouldn't really yeah. work. <laughs> well, and, and very, yeah, man, I wish I'd read a couple of books on this cause I'm very much out of my depth on this topic. It's just really interesting. Yeah. Um, and yeah. I, I'm still learning and I do not profess to know everything either. That's, that's just, good. This is a little bit of, yeah, what Definitely I've studied. Two and, of us. Um, but for sure, like the point of what like Paul's letters and, and the thrust of the New Testament is not to like proselytize the Gentiles, like make the Gentiles mm-hmm. become Jewish, right? Exactly. Yes. And um, yeah, that's uh, that's fascinating. Yeah. It's kind of the idea like they're Jewish people are Jewish and 
Gentile Christians are Gentile. Hmm. Um, but yeah, we serve the same God. We are saved the same way. And we both retain our, you know, ethnicities from wherever we're from. Um, but we can have fellowship. For sure. And I guess, yeah, it's more like specifically with the Messianic Jews. Yeah. Because, yeah, with the Jews who don't believe in the Messiah um, and who only read the Old Testament, mm. there's definitely a big gap. <laughs> a very big gap. Um, would, hmm, I guess would, how does this look like practically in Israel with Gentiles and Jews? Gentiles referring, I guess, broadly to us. Because, I mean, a big part of the Mosaic law, a big part of the identity of, of Jews in the Old Testament was to be a separate people from mm-hmm. the Gentiles. Correct. And I think a huge thrust, probably the biggest thrust of what Paul is saying is to break down the, the dividing wall of hostility. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's referring to Christ, but there's a huge... There's a huge portion of like the community of the new the, of the church that was like mostly jewish right like the first the early church was yeah it, mostly jewish yeah. for at least for the first portion of it right mm-hmm. so i guess how does that look when you it, it seems to me a little counter to the gospel in some ways for there to be so much for paul to like push forward for a, a practical unity in the sense of like worshiping together um taking part of like the lord's supper together that kind of thing and then, then kind of what you're saying about the Jews then finding their old land back. Like, is it an old land back with the understanding that that's supposed to be with both Jews and Gentiles? Or is there still a separation? Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I think... Uh, I'm trying to understand your question, I guess. Yeah. So you're asking... I guess how does it like, look like... specifically with the land, kind of? Is the land supposed to be separate from jews and gentiles well the um like they they're not opposed to gentiles living in the land Mm -hmm. like um i don't know the full process of like becoming a citizen or how that works right or like converting to judaism because people who make aliyah like if you can like prove that you're jewish or i think it's if you have a mother or father or maybe even grandparent who's Jewish, I'm not exactly sure right. the specifics, but then you can live there. But if you're not Jewish, I don't know exactly what that looks like. Hmm. Um, Cause yeah, the group of Highvel, like they live um, or they're located in a Jewish community um, in Samaria and they live on the Mount of Blessing. So, they're primarily a group of Gentile Christians. And um, at first they were not welcome at all. Right. Um, because they're um, still today, there is a big hostility between Jews and Christians. Right. Um, so yeah, they weren't welcome. Um, but through the love that they showed to the Jewish people and just their hearts that were willing to just come alongside them and serve them and help them like with their farm work and, help them like resettle their land in a very practical way they 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 did come to welcome them okay. and right now they have a really good um relationship with like the staff of Highvel and with like the orthodox rabbis of the town 
Hmm. Um, which is like really a huge blessing. And it's only because of, um, God's blessing that that can happen because yeah, there is a big hostility and it's a lot of different communities. Like in the, in Israel, there's a lot, it's kind of like Christianity, you know, there's what, like 40, over 40,000 denominations. Unfortunately, probably right. Which is, yeah, that's a lot. But yeah, in Israel, it's, I don't think quite that many, (laughs) but there's a lot of different, um, um, circles and different, you know, levels of observance and, Mm. um, so I think it depends where you are in Israel, um, how you're welcomed or like there's synagogues and then there's messianic synagogues. There is Gentile churches. It, um, depends if you're more in the city. Um, so they have some of everything. I would say, um, am I answering your question? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I don't know a whole lot about the actual process of right. Like can Gentiles, how they can live there like permanently or right. Yeah. Cause I, I, I'm just shooting off the cuff. I don't know exactly, but it seems to me that the stuff about the land would make sense. Right. Mm -hmm. That was at least for sure in the old Testament, that was a huge portion of God's promise to the nation of Israel. Yes. Um, whether they revoked their right to the land is an interesting question. I don't know the answer to that. But like Gentile, the Gentile believers had no part in the land, right? Because they, uh, the well, the, the Abraham. No, yeah, because they came in and conquered. They had yeah. to get rid of them. Like, mm-hmm. Well, yeah. In the very beginning when, yeah, you know, yeah. they had to go conquer the land. Yeah. Yeah, which was where we get the book of Judges, basically. Yes. <laughs> but, and then definitely a huge part of like the land, like wrapped up in the Abrahamic covenant was that that Abraham and his descendants would be a blessing to the nations, mm-hmm. right? It's all like one line, which is where Christ comes in, which is like the most beautiful yes. thing ever. Yeah, I'm still super interested in what the practical outworking of that is. Like if you have a synagogue, a Jewish, a Messianic Jewish synagogue, are mm-hmm. Gentiles welcome um, on the same level as Jews? I don't know if those questions have answers. You know what I mean? But yeah, I kind of, I, I think I kind of see where you're coming from. Like, because there's still that distinction between a Jew and a Gentile, even though we are, you know, all one in Christ. Like there's, there still is a distinction. You you um, you think there is a definitely a distinction there? Yeah, um, and I know like you know the verse was like there's neither Jew nor Greek nor mm-hmm. um, slave nor free nor man nor woman. Um, I don't know exactly how the verse goes, yes. but a lot of people take that verse and they're like, "See, we're all one. We're, there's no distinction. We, um, but you have to read that verse in context. Like, what is it talking about? Because if mm. that's what it meant." Well, man, there's definitely a distinction between man and woman. Yes. Uh, there's a distinction between, you know, the master and the slave. Um, so, yeah, Paul, and I guess the whole word of God is, is super, super important to read in context. Amen. Um, yeah. <laughs> I'm very passionate about uh, about reading things in context. So, yeah, um, there is a distinction. Like, we are all part of one we're all one in Christ, but um, the, there's still things I would say that apply to the Jewish people that don't apply to Gentiles. Okay, well, uh, because there is a distinction, and we we've been engrafted in, right? Mm-hmm. 
so yeah specifically things with the land like i don't know exactly like practically in the future what that's gonna look like Hmm. because israel's only so big yeah um like how would we all fit there um i don't think you see any calling anywhere in the bible for like gentiles to make pilgrimages to well certainly not in the new testament because that was a moot point because rome was just rome had just kind of annihilated their meaningful difference right sorry yeah. they definitely had a meaningful difference um yeah but rome didn't really have that option for pilgrimages to the holy land as being like a thing that people could do on mass right Mm-hmm. where Rome had placed you is where you were. And they let themselves govern in their own city-states and stuff. But Yeah. Yeah, I don't know exactly. Like, that's... I I want to study more about that. Mm. And um, there's so many things to study. Yeah. <laughs> and so little time. So many good books to read. Um, Story of our so Yeah, that's something I definitely um, would like, love to study more. Mm-hmm. So how is... Um, How's some of this, some like your travels, your experiences there, mm-hmm. changed your reading of the Bible? Yeah, um, I guess I've just really um, seen the importance of reading things in context um, and realizing, okay, what is the context in which the Bible was written? Who was it written by? Mm-hmm. And if we don't have an understanding of those things, then... We can just, um, you know, pick up the Bible with our, you know, Western thought process and maybe miss some things that um, are are rich and deep that we just might not see. Like, I'm not saying you have to, you know, be a biblical scholar to, you know, understand the Bible properly because anybody can pick up the Word of God. Mm-hmm. And the message of salvation is very clear. Um, but there's also no end to studying it. And the more we study it, like there's just no end. Like there's always new truths to be learned, and so for me, my understanding of the Jewish culture and just studying um, what that looks like and what that means, like, um, and that it was written by like Paul himself was Jewish. It was written by Jewish people, mm. and in yeah a Hebraic setting, like where people spoke Hebrew, and. So, yeah, I I kind of always thought that, you know what, why does it seem like all the only really the pastors, you know, study the languages, of the original languages? Um, they, like, they seem to have the answers, but, like, how do, how, how does my, someone like myself, just, you know, a regular layperson, um, like, how do I really study the Bible? Like, it seems like only pastors know how to do that or are taught to do that. Mm-hmm. So I was kind of like frustrated um, because, you know, there's so many different Bible translations and there's so many different interpretations. And I'm just like, okay, well, what's, which one is correct? Which, what's the truth? Um, what is this passage actually saying? Mm-hmm. And that was um, something that I was kind of on like a quest to like find that out. How can just regular people do an in-depth study of the word of God that's accurate? Um and I really found that if you study, um, in you study Jewish culture and Jewish um, context, and if you download the Strong's Concordance app <laughs> on your phone, 
<laughs> it's very, very helpful. Yes. Um, and yeah, you don't have to learn Hebrew or Greek. Although, I mean, if you want to, go for it. And that would be super helpful. But there has there's tools at our fingertips that we can use. And if we just would learn how to simply use them, we can do those in-depth studies um, for ourselves Because we're all supposed to be, you know, Bereans, right? And be able to search the word for ourselves and test things. And um, obviously, yeah, within the multitude of counselors, there's much wisdom. So mm -hmm. talking with other people who are studying God's word. And that's a really beautiful thing that, it's probably one of my favorite things about the Jewish culture is that um, the way they seek truth is so beautiful. Um, it's kind of, it's a, it's a saying that, you know, you have three, three rabbis and four opinions um, because they can agree to disagree in a respectful way. Right. Like they'll have these lengthy conversations and discussions. And um, it, even if they're not completely on the same page about a certain point of scripture, they try and learn from each other and they try and take their differences and see, okay, what is this saying here? Like through the different perspectives and, um, and I just think that's really beautiful because yeah, we can learn a lot from people who are different or have a different perspective. 110%. Totally. That's like, it's interesting because I think, Maybe, I don't know. Maybe some people think that like, you know, in order to study, you learn like Hebrew culture for the Old Testament, but like, you know, the New Testament is whatever, it's maybe Greek culture. Mm -hmm. But in order to unlock almost everything about what the New Testament says, even like our sacraments, how baptism works, how the Lord's Supper works, all of it is rooted in this, tr in the traditions, in the stories of the Old Testament. And it's all yes. Jewish. It's yep. Jewish up, down, through, and through to the core. That's the roots of our faith. It's the roots mm -hmm. of Christianity. It's the roots of the church. Uh, so yeah. yeah, just think if you if you start studying it and you understand a bit more about it, then mm -hmm. it's just super helpful to know like how you got or how we got to where we are today. Totally. Um, you reference Strong's. That's huge. Mm -hmm. um, the Logos Bible software. There's an app that you can get on your phone and you can get, you can, um, download it on your computer it's really cool because you can look up like a, a verse and you can find it in the original languages either greek or hebrew or aramaic and then you okay. can click words and you can go to a pie chart that shows you all the different translations of the word and all the places it's found in scripture super helpful oh wow yeah i use it all the time i'll so, have to check that out mm -hmm. i use it for like hebrew as much as i do for greek and i don't know any hebrew what's so, it called uh logos bible software so there's, there's a Bible software. There's a app and it's free and it is the greatest thing ever. I love it. Good to know. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I can't. Yeah, I totally agree. Like it was a huge part of. Not that I'm saying I understand the New Testament, but I grew a lot in my understanding of the New Testament for sure mm -hmm. through like mostly the Bible project because um, they're as a like as a platform. The podcasts are like Tim Mackey is is first and foremost, a Jewish scholar. Mm -hmm. And so I found him really helpful in providing context and understanding to the whole Bible um, from a Jewish lens, which is not, I think maybe our churches tend to view it more in a systematic theology lens, which is very helpful in a mm -hmm. lot of ways. For sure. Um, but then kind of taking that as one piece of a pie and then adding a uh, cultural historical lens is the way you understand the bible it's kind of another piece of the pie of ways you can understand and then mm -hmm. you 
you know, you can just kind of build your pie, (laughs) build your tool belt. I don't know. Whatever your metaphor you want to use. That makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Bible Project is great. Yeah. I had never listened to them really until coming back. Um, I know I was talking with you and you mentioned, yeah, that um, it's super, super helpful because what is it? Tim, Tim Mackey is his name. Mm -hmm. Yeah. He is a Hebrew scholar. So yeah, that's super helpful. Super helpful. (laughs) That's, that's sweet. Yeah. Um, and then you went to learn Hebrew in the States. Mm-hmm. How soon after, who, how soon was this after you got back from Israel? Yeah. So, uh, after I got back from Israel, I think I was home for around five weeks and then. Oh and you left, left right again. after that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Ontario was like, we're doing another lockdown. I'm like, well, I'm out of here. <laughs> <laughs> And that was, that was really amazing uh, because in Israel, um, yeah, you learn a little bit of Hebrew like here and there, mm-hmm. um, you know, Boker Tov is good morning, Lila Tov is good night, Shalom, everyone knows Shalom, mm-hmm. um, it's how you greet one another. Um, but yeah, just an interest in that biblical language started while I was there in Israel and, and then this opportunity came to take a four-week beginner class and... Yeah, I was like, I'm going. <laughs> and where was this? It was in Missouri. Gotcha. Yep. That's so good rad. old America. <laughs> Land of the free, home of the beautiful. I love America. It's so pretty. Much. It was pretty redneck out there. Missouri <laughs> is. Uh, it's pretty redneck. It was pretty great. <laughs> yeah, I believe it. Yeah. So, what'd you do? What was that like? It was good. Yeah. Um, it was this ministry, um, kind of out in the boonies. <laughs> Um, it's called Love and Purity Ministries, and they're actually connected with Highvel um, because one of the family members, um, they branched off and started this ministry called Love and Purity Ministries. Um, and one of the things, one of their ministries is teaching Hebrew. So it's actually cool because uh, Matea actually came with me to that as well. So we've done a lot of traveling together. <laughs> um, and it was just special to um, just be living in like communal living so your all your meals are together your worship and prayer and um learning is all together so it was just a really amazing opportunity to get to know people mm-hmm. um reconnect with some people that were uh, also in israel so that was cool to see them again and yeah just start learning hebrew and start speaking it start singing it start um listening to it start watching movies in hebrew just immerse ourselves in it Hmm. and the yeah the place was amazing it was kind of like a homestead type thing like they had animals and yeah um they're trying to be like self-sustaining so yeah it was just a very very refreshing time just to be surrounded with people um who just hearts are for the kingdom of god and just they seek that first and foremost and just to have a a special focus on worship and prayer was a really, really huge blessing. And I'm really thankful I could go. Yeah. Especially amongst crazy COVID times. (laughs) Yeah. I, um, I can definitely attest. There's a certain bond you build with people when you're struggling through a language together Mm -hmm. because you, there's just that shared suffering. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. Um, You would, you would understand because you're learning Greek, right? Yeah. 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 I just finished my second year just wow. submitted my um, final translation of the Medea a couple of weeks about a week ago actually 
Wow. So I'm done Brock. Congrats. I know. It's crazy. <laughs> and then I head to Southern in three months. So. That is coming quick. Wow. I know. It's, it's definitely a bit terrifying leaving like my, the community that I've built up over the past almost two decades and then going to a place where I don't know a single soul. So it should be, should be interesting. So you don't know anyone there? No. Wow. No. So I'll have to start making friends really quickly. <laughs> but it'll be good. I don't think you have a problem with that. <laughs> no, I don't either. I think it'll be all right. But. Yeah. And that's for like, that's for three years, right? Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah, I'll be back, obviously, for, for the summers and Christmas and things like that. But mm-hmm. at least that's the plan for now. Who knows? Something, it's like entirely possible that COVID could go crazy and I get locked here and I have to do it online for a year. Yeah. Honestly, it's just. It's kind of hard to, well. Kind of hard to plan. <laughs> it's very hard. It's very hard to plan. But that's one of the things you trust that what's going to happen is going to happen. God's got this under control. And if I'm supposed Amen. to end up in Louisville, I do. If I don't, I don't. Yeah. So, yeah. That's that's pretty, yeah, there's something beautiful just about being able to just surrender things, you know, and just yeah. trust. Like, yeah. God has it and he knows what's best for you and mm-hmm. his purposes are good for his children. So, yeah, I mean, <clears throat> definitely, definitely a lot of people have been having that with weddings the past, well, few weeks, I suppose, because Jermichael and Jess, I don't know if you heard this, they got I married. I did hear, yeah. Yeah, they got married, I don't know, two, three weeks ahead of what they were supposed to, like the night before. Mm-hmm. So within, they basically made a call to have their wedding and then within 24 hours they had it, which is crazy that's wow it was a lot of fun but that was characterized by like an entire night of just running around to different seamstresses getting like trying to get suits in order oh and i bet stuff. It, was, it was good yeah that sounds very 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 memorable yeah 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 and they had a good wedding overall which was cool yeah i believe it so yeah how has how's like your I want to say like daily life, but like based off of like all of this experience, these experiences you've had where you've, you've traveled to Israel, learned a bunch of their culture, maybe mm-hmm. changed your theological views, even on a bunch of things. How's that affected like your actual walk as a Christian, like the things you do or, or has it, I guess. Good question. Yeah. Um, since I think I definitely do, yeah read my bible differently um and some things that maybe i thought i understood um (laughs) or maybe had a different perspective on uh yeah just seeking okay what is this actually saying um i think it's been like there's just since coming back there's like you know how, you know, we're supposed to want Jesus to come back. Like, we're supposed to pray, Lord, come quickly. And, you know, we're supposed to be eternally minded. Um, mm-hmm. And to be honest, I, I, I never really actually wanted that. Uh, like, I knew I was supposed to. And, you know, certain times if you're, like, you know, in a really hard moment, you're like, oh, I just want heaven right now, you know. Right. Um, but overall, like, I didn't really actually long for him to come back. Um, because, yeah, there's there's so many good things about life. There's so many amazing things to do and experience here. Um, but yeah, since coming back and just living 
um, for a bit in the land, um, this excitement of like Jesus is coming back and um, we get a taste of that right now and the kingdom of heaven is here in a way, um, but not fully. Like mm-hmm. um, he's going to come and um, we are going to reign together and just we're going to see him face to face. And I, yeah, I never really actually wanted that truly before. So yeah, God just really put that on my heart. And, um, so yeah, there's just kind of just like excitement that he's coming back and, um, until he does, um, I just want to use my gifts and talents and serve wherever I can. And, um, yeah, we're all like, when you think of kingdom, I guess, which mm. maybe define what that is. Cause the, like, what is the kingdom of God? What is the kingdom? Um, and when I think of kingdom, I think of, okay, God is the king. You know, we are his people. We're under his authority and we all have different roles. We all, um, are doing different jobs. We're mm-hmm. all working together, uh, in the kingdom. Yeah. So yeah. What do you think of when you think of the kingdom? Um, one of the coolest things that I picked up on. And I love what you said about like rereading things because there's so mm-hmm. many things where you read the Bible and then you go, you learn a whole bunch of stuff and you go back to passages and you're like, oh, hey, I did not understand that before. And now I do. Yeah, I must have read this like six times over my life and I did not understand what it was saying. Mm-hmm. One of the cool things is like Jesus said so often, like the kingdom of heaven is at hand or it's right here. Like, yeah. or it's coming with me. That was the gospel message. Repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Yep. That's part of it. Yeah. And, and the gospel, uh, euangelion in Greek is a royal message. Like that's what the, the technical definition is. It's a, okay. it's a message from, and so like, um, it's either Isaiah or Ezekiel. There's, and this is what Paul quotes when he says, how beautiful are the feet of the ones who bring the gospel that's quoted from I forget if it's Isaiah or Ezekiel, but it's a prophecy that he says, um, how beautiful are the ones that the feet of the ones who bring the Royal message. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of how I think of gospel. It's when Jesus rose from the dead, the firstborn of all creation, he is like the new human. He is the King inaugurated. We are in a weird way, dual citizens. Like we are part of the kingdom of God. Mm hmm and part of the kingdom of this world and our message to people is hey you don't know this yet but you're subject to a king who's reigning i'm here to tell you about that now so you don't have a very unpleasant jolt of realizing that later you know what i mean yeah true that's That's a a good way to evangelize like talk about it that way yeah like you you are you are the subject of a king that you don't know yet Mm -hmm. and the most loving thing i can do to you is to tell you that you you need to know who your king is Mm -hmm. and in a sense there's still like the devil still reigns in in a way and death still reigns and that's the last enemy to be defeated so it's like i love the theological uh, idea of like already not yet that's super Mm. cool it's like here but not here yeah like we are new creatures we're born again new humans right already not yet so yeah not fully yet mm -hmm. yeah that's what I think. And then obviously there needs to be like a final culmination of Christ's kingship when he comes again. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I think that gets to some of the the exact specifics of what that looks like kind of plays into this whole 
whether if Israel has its own nation, yeah, um, where that goes, and then wars and rumors of wars, and people interpret that differently. So, yeah, there's definitely a lot of prophecy, <laughs> and yeah. it's hard to understand sometimes. Yeah, and and with prophecy too, like, um, in the New Testament, the the crazy book is Revelations, or sorry, the Revelation. Yes. Um, but what a lo- I didn't realize for a long time was the Revelation, um, John's Revelation is super intertwined with Daniel. Like, they share so many of the same ideas, yes. same language, same forms. Very connected, yeah. And that's super interesting, right? Like, to, you can't, you, basically, you do not understand Revelation, the Revelation, unless you understand Daniel, flat out. Yeah. And now if you understand Daniel, I mean, that's a whole other complex problem. But Daniel's so cool because he's pointing to his prophecy, like Daniel 7, sort of the central text of Daniel is pointing to the Son of Man, like, coming in on the clouds and... and Christ essentially there's mm-hmm. all these I love the Bible it's awesome yeah I feel like I don't have a good understanding of either Daniel or <laughs> Revelation that but. makes two of us 100% <laughs> it's just weird like you understand enough to almost realize how much you don't know you know what I mean I know yeah it's it's like the more you discover or then you're like oh wow like there's that whole other realm like now I can look into because I yep. didn't even know it existed or mm-hmm. um it's like Learning is like opening doors. Like it just leads to other doors. And you yes, just, that's good. That's a good yeah. analogy. Um, do you think, this is a fun question. Do you think Christ is coming very soon? Absolutely. Really? <laughs> I don't know. Like I would, yeah. Personally, I think possibly in our lifetime, if not in our, like in the next generation's mm. lifetime. Um, Cause yeah, it's interesting if you look back in history. There's been a lot that's happened, you know, like the World War One, World War Two, mm-hmm. and lots of like pestilence, lots of sicknesses, like the plague and everything. And I feel like through all those times, people always thought, okay, like this is the end times. This is yes. the end times. And then there kept being the next awful thing. Okay, now we're in the end times. I mean, World War Two, and Hitler. Hitler was definitely the Antichrist, and World War Two was definitely wars right. and rumors of wars. Yeah. If you wanted to have a really good like yeah, it would of pretty it much fit a lot of the mm-hmm. um, framework it, of that. But yeah, but it's the world didn't end. I think because because of what's happening in Israel, that's why I'm okay. Pretty confident that we are for sure actually in the end times now. <laughs> I think um, Paul would agree with you. Yeah. Yeah, we'll uh, we'll see. I suppose. Yeah, it's exciting. Yeah. <laughs> what um. I don't want to say like what advice would you give because that's kind of weird but maybe that's like do you feel like you've done with these with these two sets of traveling mm-hmm. and like these things you've learned like if you look back on yourself like five years ago or to maybe other like maybe because you can speak to like young girls in a way that I can't right what would right, you want what yeah. would you want to say to like 16 year old 15 year old girls who might look at you and say that's super cool. Like you did all this traveling and you're like, you're passionate about Jesus and you're passionate about the gospel and about learning how to understand the Bible better. Mm-hmm. What's your advice to the younger generation, I guess? Yeah. Um, I would definitely say seek truth. Hmm. Um, it's really, really important to seek truth. You're never too young for that. Um, don't ever think that you're not qualified to do that or, 
um, don't put your full trust and hope in one one thing, like whether that be your parents, uh, your church, your pastor, a certain organization, like um, those are all good things and we can learn a lot from all of those things and God can work mightily through all those things. But um, don't just say that's enough. Like seek truth for yourself. Um, hmm. Because yeah, we're called in, in Thessalonians, um, we're like test everything, right? Yeah. And don't just, you know, some people can sound super convincing about a certain anything. Um, but yeah, is, is the source reliable? Is it valid information? So yeah, seek truth and um, don't be scared to ask questions. Yeah. That's good. Mm-hmm. That's um, easier said than done. That's for sure. Because yeah, it, it's it's work sometimes. <laughs> yeah, well, it also and it um, can be overwhelming. That's true. But that's yeah. that's true. I think it'll also it's dangerous because it might put you at odds with people who are comfortable with the way they believe mm-hmm. what they believe, and so. Like if you're with a group of people who love seeking truth and love learning and trying to understand and have the necessary humility that comes with that, mm-hmm. it's awesome because you can go in different directions and, and still respect each other and grow and stuff. But if you are with or spend time with or live with or whatever it looks like, people who don't have that hunger for truth, mm-hmm. it can sometimes be difficult because it's almost like a at least I've experienced this. I don't know if you have. It's almost like you almost inherently put a pressure on people to to ch- to change or grow or adapt. Does that make sense? I don't yeah. even know if I'm yeah, saying Yeah, I hear this quite what you're right. saying. <clears throat> and I've definitely experienced that. Um, it's it's humbling. Like, because to have, to seek truth, like, you might, you know, find something um, that you realize you may, maybe you were wrong in something mm-hmm. or... Um, you're maybe challenged on something or maybe you challenge someone else on something and you don't know how they're going to react or yeah, it's, it can be really hard. Um, and overwhelming at times. Like when I, I, I've definitely felt that way and I still do sometimes. Um, but now I feel like instead of, I'm starting to feel less and less overwhelmed, the more I seek truth and the more and more excited. Yeah. Um, so be encouraged. Like if you feel overwhelmed or you just feel like, Okay, the more I learn about this, the more I realize that I don't know about it or something like that. Mm. Um, don't lose heart. Like, be encouraged. Keep seeking. Keep um, pursuing truth. And the Lord honors that. And he wants that. Um, he delights that his children walk in truth. And obviously, the best the best place and source to seek truth is his mm. word. Because that's the only thing that is unshakable. Totally. Like, everything else is shakable. Totally. Like people, organizations, churches, our own hearts, our own minds. Like, yeah, what else do we have? So let's cling to that. Let's seek it. Let's study it. Um, you can never do that too much. And yet, when you are overwhelmed and you don't understand and you have tons of questions, it's okay. Like, um, I've had it uh, multiple times. Like, just be encouraged. Um, like I'll read something. I, I don't get it. And then I'll just pray like, Lord, like, what does this mean? Like, can you please just like open my eyes to understand your scriptures? Um, And 
yeah, he does. Like, I'll just, uh, I would randomly see, like, um, a video or something, like, on YouTube or something that would, like, explain that exact verse that I was struggling with. Or um, I would read something else in God's Word, and it would, like, make that other passage make sense or something. So don't be discouraged because he says, like, seek and you will find, knock and it will be open to you and um, yeah. ask and it will be given. Like, he's a good father and he, he wants to give his children good gifts. So if you're, if you want to know, uh, like, he will show you. Totally. Yeah. And we've got so many resources. So many. <laughs> right? Because imagine, like, imagine five, six, seven hundred, seven hundred years ago. Um, first of all, you were lucky. If you got the Bible at all. Wait, that's before uh, the Gutenberg printing press, I think. I think that was, yeah, that was a little bit before the Reformation. So, yeah, maybe five, seven, eight hundred years ago, you didn't have a Bible, Jack. Right. Um, and let's say even after that, when you could get the Bible, like, even if you could read, you did not have the resources that we have in order to siphon through that. And now yeah. we have, like, books and podcasts and teachers and like sermons you know sermon audio has like everything mm-hmm. it's, it's bonkers and i think that maybe puts us with a level of responsibility that for sure maybe yeah. other culture or other times in history didn't quite have because god's given us a lot right mm-hmm. yeah too much is given much will be required mm-hmm. right yeah 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 but it is, I, oh sorry go ahead <laughs> go ahead it is so amazing how there are so many resources yeah. and to be honest to me that's overwhelming sometimes that there's so many mm-hmm. resources because it's like okay which one do i start with which one do i do how many do i do at once you know how many podcasts do i listen to at once like <laughs> yeah um well, it's a very good warning um what you're saying about it being overwhelming because i forget yeah. that sometimes yeah because I, re- I i have to force myself to remember specifically times like a few years ago where i would be like what's going on she's like it was so much and because i've been consuming like lots of books and information for years and years and years it gets easier to kind of weigh all the different sources and and sort Mm -hmm. through information but it is you're right it is super hard when you first if you like make a commitment and say okay i'm gonna i'm gonna read these handful of books because i think they're important and then you get hit with like five or six opinions that you're like huh never heard that before it actually seems like it's legit. How does this fit in? And then you've got a whole yeah. bunch of like puzzle pieces that you're pretty sure most of the puzzle pieces are true, mm-hmm. but how they fit together, no idea. And then only yeah. with time do you start kind of filling in all the cracks and, and putting a coherent puzzle piece together, co- coherent puzzle together of puzzle pieces. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> yeah, we always keep learning, right? Mm. We will always, always learn. Um. But it's exciting. Like, yeah. Yeah. I'm sure, um, like, you know, when you have a light bulb moment and it's like, whoa, like I never, like I had that a lot with the passages in the prophets um, that had to do with the land. Like, you know, Jeremiah 31, ye shall yet plant vines on the mountains of Samaria. Boom. Well, there I was in Samaria on a mountain. Um working on vineyards that someone planted because they literally saw that verse and they were like, okay, let's do it. Which is another really cool, interesting 
thing about Jewish culture is the way they view prophecy. Um, because they'll, they'll read about it and they'll, like this one vineyard owner near, he literally read that verse, uh, Jeremiah 31, talking about that planting vineyards on the mountains of Samaria. And say, okay, I'm going to do, I'm going to do it. Hmm. And it's not like, you know, um, he was like making the prophecy happen. Like he was in a way, but it was like, God, like, we don't just sit back, you know, and just watch everything unfold and, and happen. They are very like practical and like, okay, let's, let's do this. Let's get involved in God's work. Um, and so he did, he planted that vineyard in faith. Right. And with help from people, and it was a huge risk, and like a lot of farmers were like, "You'll never be able to do that. Like it's desolate, it's barren, it's rocky. Like how are you going to plant a vineyard there?" Um, but it, he saw it in God's word, so he knew it was going to happen, and it had to happen. So why not? God could use him to make it happen. Yeah. So it was, it was just amazing. Like now, when I read, like the mountains will bloom and blossom, and um, the vineyards will be alive again. Like that was like a huge light bulb for me. Like, okay, it's literally happening. Hmm. It's not just a, a spiritual thing that um, has a different meaning or something. Right. Like it's physical, it's real, and it's happening in our day. Yeah. Yeah. I think about that a little bit with like the gospel proclamation, like all the earth will hear. Yeah. You can be a part of that story. You can be a part of uh, whether that falls into the category of prophecy or not. Mm-hmm. You can be part of the of definitely what yeah. the biblical authors were intending and hoped for the church to do mm-hmm. over the years, which is like it's if you want to find meaning in your life, that's where you do it. Exactly, that you can be part yeah. of God's unfolding story. Mm-hmm. It's crazy. Yeah, it's we awesome. get to God uses us to work out His redemption. Yeah, yeah, that's yep. a great great parallel. Yeah, with the gospel. Um, cause we, we are supposed to be part of that and we can be. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Where do you see your, do you, do you have any ideas of where you want to go in life? Like, do you see yourself in mission work or, or not? Like, and I'm not putting that as like, I don't want to be the person that says like mission work or preaching is like the ultimate goal of people's life. There's right, so right. many ways that you yeah. can <laughs> live a super meaningful godly life and not be in the quote unquote vocational ministry. Do you have any ideas or is that just still wide open doors? I would say it's pretty open right now. I don't have like one like literal goal that I'm going for. Mm-hmm. Um, I have a bunch of ideas of like, um, yeah, I would love to go back to Israel. Um, I would love to be part of uh, maybe an organization um, dealing with, yeah, um, the work that's happening in Israel, um, specifically something that's supporting Jewish people. Um, yeah, something along those lines. But I don't know. I I really don't know. <laughs> yeah. Cool. Yeah. Do you have anything else you want to talk about? Anything that you want to chat through or do you want to wrap it up here? Um, Floor is yours. If you have any things that you've discovered that you there's a cool share? story that i want to share just a cool experience about israel i want to hear it um because yeah i was thinking like what cool things did we do because we didn't really get to tour a lot mm. um and we were working a lot 
But we did one day um, while we were working, our group leader was like, so guys, um, we're going camping tonight and uh, you all need to, you know, pack your sleeping bag and pillow and everything. We're, we're going to go camping in Judea tonight. Um, and that was just a really, really cool experience um, because it's where like that, the Judea wilderness and the mountains there, that's like where um, David hung out a lot and that's um, where they think that he wrote a lot of the Psalms and where he would have hid from Saul. Um, so we went to visit um, a farmer there who had a property and we just literally slept under the stars there in Judea and it was so, so special just to be there and like we'd be driving and um, our group leader would be like, so, you know, the story about David and Jonathan, you know, like that happened over there. And we're just like, whoa, <laughs> so, so cool. So yeah, I, I just highly encourage anyone, if you ever get the chance to go to Israel, please, please go and be warned that if you go, you will always want to go back. <laughs> so the most important question of all, do you recommend people go to Israel over New Zealand? A lot is resting on oh, this. Oh, boy. <laughs> <laughs> I would have to heartily say yes. I do. I probably would agree with you. Yeah. There's a lot that can be gained. I would still recommend to go to New Zealand. It's, a, it's an amazing place. Do both. Yeah, do both. Yeah, totally. Why not? Exactly. There right. you go. It has been awesome chatting with you. Thank you so much for this. Likewise. Yeah. Awesome. Shalom. <laughs> Thank you for listening to this podcast's conversation. I really appreciate it. If you enjoyed it, consider subscribing and sharing and all that jazz. It's immensely helpful. I'm all about having meaningful, interesting conversations. So if you know of someone I should talk to, hit me up on Instagram at it's the Volk. Have a good one, guys.